1: Welcome to the Dr. Pat show, talk radio to thrive by powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, I know if you're like me, you have been struck by year after year after year you know seeing on television the treatment of all of our animal friends but there's one thing i think we're all aware of that some things have changed thanks to peta and some things have not and one of the things that we have been involved in for over a decade even before launching the network was to raise level of awareness on the ethical treatment of animals. Today, I am so thrilled to have Dr. Ingrid Taylor joining us here today, uh, stepping up and shining a light on what this means, where we are today as we start 2021. And we find out we are still experimenting. I, 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 on, I, I can't even say it. We are still experimenting on our animal friends. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Dr. Taylor, thank you so much today. I mean, after all that you all have done, boy, we're still talking about this.
0: We are. And around 100 million animals are used and killed annually in the United States in laboratory experiments. And these these are animals like rats, mice, dogs, cats, birds, sheep and pigs who are used in these painful, frightening and lethal experiments. And one thing that we're really working against is this sort of entrenched attitude that Just because we have always done animal experiments for science, we need to continue to do them. But the research and the statistics, in terms of clinical applications and treatments for humans, just don't pan out to justify that mentality.
1: You know, I was talking to a friend of mine that I was going to be talking with you today, and my friend was like, "You're kidding! You get to talk! You get to talk to somebody like..." Dr. Taylor of, you know, the people for the ethical treatment about, you get to talk to the PETA people. And I said, oh, yeah, we've been in support of this for years. And I and I, then I said to my friend, did you know that we are still using uh, animals, four legged, two legged for experimentations that that don't actually lead to anything? And you know what my friend said? And I'd like you to comment on this. My friend's comment was something like, but we're not doing it as much, and we're way better off in the United States than other countries. And I thought, I don't know if that's true. I I, I want to ask you about this. How prevalent is this, and how unaware are we of this? So I'd like you to talk about how many of these animals are being subjected to this, and, and what is it? that's actually happening, especially in the report you just did?
0: Well, I mean, we're looking at millions and millions of animals who are used in laboratory mm-hmm. experiments. So, so there there's, hasn't been a huge change in terms of how many animals are being used and these the types of experiments that animals are used in um, we're talking about things like animals are subjected to spinal cord trauma, they're subjected to leg fractures, burned they're forced to inhale toxic substances and um, just so experience, experiments that not only cause a high level of physical suffering but a high level of emotional suffering and experiments that really don't benefit humans at all. For example, 95% of the new drugs that are effective in animal studies end up failing in human clinical trials. And the fact is that there are many promising human-relevant research methods, things like organs on chips, uses of human stem cells, genomics and proteomics, imaging and computer modeling that can replace animals. So we really need to have a sea change in terms of how we we in the United States are using animals in these, in these painful experiments.
1: Um, I want to ask you this. You have been following this and your work, um, you know, especially in veterinarian and research and, and really being plugged into this. You see this all the time, you know, you see what's going on. You're up close and personal to things, right? Um, but let's talk about the studies which have shown of what many people already know, right? That dogs, rats, cows, sheep, these experiences, emotions range from joy to happiness to sadness. They experience things. And yet, as they experience things, what they experience doesn't translate to how these experiments are going to help humanity in a positive way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not like we have a relationship with these experiments and these experiments lead to some phenomenal cure. And I think that's the missing link for people.
0: Absolutely. There are profound species differences that do not translate between humans and other animals. And our reliance on experiments in other animals, in many ways, could be holding us back from actually finding relevant human-relevant clinical treatments. And the other side of this, which you mentioned is that animals feel emotions. So these experiments cause profound suffering. And we there is a wealth of scientific evidence out there in the literature showing that animals feel emotions. More than 2,500 studies have shown this. And yet the National Institutes of Health, which funds many of the experiments in animals, doesn't take this into account. So what PETA is asking is that the NIH Take into account the scientific evidence that animals feel emotions and stop experimenting on animals who are profoundly suffering in these experiments.
1: And let's talk about some of this that we know. Right. Um, for example, chickens, uh, when everyone knows what a chicken is, uh, they become extremely upset when the baby chicks are stressed and try to soothe them. I mean, we're seeing behaviors. Let's talk about behaviors because a lot of people say to us, you know, you can't really measure a quote, invisible emotion, but you can measure, you know, a reaction. We measure it with humans. We measure it with our animal friends. Right. And so we're looking absolutely. At you, we're looking at how, what the behavior is. We're looking at how mice react. We're looking at rats, for example, demonstrate remorse for bad decisions. Boy, I think humans could learn from that, don't you think?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and rats, rats are really, they are really empathetic and altruistic. And so rats will also forego treats like chocolate in order to help another rat who is in need. So for example, a rat who is trapped in, in a container, rats will, will choose to help that rat instead of getting a treat that will benefit themselves.
1: It's incredible. I know one thing I was acutely aware of and some research I did a number of years ago, um, I was uh, acutely aware, and maybe you can talk to this, um, there are species like crabs, for example, they are acutely aware of pain. Now, it, did I get that right? I I don't want to be speaking out of out of out of a turn here.
0: Um, yes, it, yes. It's been shown that hermit crabs are aware yep. of pain, but it's also been shown that they can weigh the consequences of experiencing pain in order to keep a high quality shell. So um, this this was not. A, this, this was a, unfortunately a painful experiment for the hermit crabs, but hermit crabs, when subjected to electrical shocks, yep. they, they will stay with a high quality shell. Whereas if it's a low quality shell, they'll just leave it because they'll say they think the pain is not worth it. I'm going to find something better. And the so, reason um, I bring
1: them up, especially doctor, and I want you to comment on this is because this is the type of experimentation where researchers are in search for any way they could possibly find to eliminate pain for humans. And so they do these experiments thinking if we discover something about a hermit crab, well, we can develop something for humans, but that's not that's not what the what the studies are showing are they
0: right well all animals experience pain however physiological responses to drugs that treat pain and modulate pain are different between species yeah. so so when we're when experimenters are inflicting pain on animals, all they're really doing is inflicting pain on animals. They're not necessarily they're not finding anything that will relate to how humans are going to react to a certain drug that controls pain. And I, I did want to say that if people want to help animals yes. in experiments, they can go to our website at peta.org search for animal sentience, and there is a letter there that people can sign that will go to the NIH asking them to look at all the scientific evidence showing that animals feel emotions and to stop experimenting on these animals.
1: Um, May I also uh, invite people when they go to your site? And I want to say it again. It's PETA. It's P-E-T-A.org. I want to also encourage people when you go to the site, there's also a way for you to become a member. And the reason I say this is a lot of times we think we do not have the ability to make a difference. But if you go here, you're going to see what we're talking about today, but also you're going to see the many, many ways that PETA is involved. And, you know, let me just call it the humanity of our animal friends. And there's so much that you all have done. It goes far beyond what we can do in a 15 minute interview. Um, I I want to ask you this last question. I know you've got to run. I know you've got a lot of interviews you're doing. Again, again, PETA.org. Doctor, what would be your top three things you want to leave us with that people might be able to do that you want us to know today? And thank you for all that you do.
0: Well, thank you so much for your support of PETA. And public pressure will help create change. So please go to the website at PETA.org, sign our petitions search for animal sentience, read about all the ways that animals have been scientifically shown to experience emotions, and sign our letter to the NIH asking the NIH to look at the ethics of using animals who suffer profoundly Mm -hmm. in experiments and to stop experimenting on these animals.
1: I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Last question. What's your personal message? What would you personally like to leave us with today?
0: Well, of course, as a veterinarian, I've spent many, many years up close and personal with animals, living with them, treating their medical conditions. And we as humans really need to start thinking about the ways that we are using and abusing animals and maybe in ways that we don't even think about normally. um, The kinds of things we're eating, the kinds of activities we're supporting. And I, you humans just really need to start thinking very critically about how we interact with animals and how we interact with the fellow beings that we share this Mm -hmm. world with.
1: Thank you so much for all that you do. And please thank you for PETA. Thank you for continuing a legacy of kindness, uh, education, and information. Hey, everybody, let's take a short break. And I know in the busyness of our day, just take a moment to think about our animal friends and step forward and see what you can do. We'll be right back.
2: TransformationTalkRadio.com. Let the journey begin.
0: The The Dr. Pat Show. The
1: Dr. Pat Show. The Dr. Pat Show. This is it. The energy of heart to heart, mind to mind, love to love. These are the questions that people have and rarely state. When we have an internal transformation and we see things differently. What does it mean to step into the full nature of being a spiritual being? How am I to be? This is it. Every day you have to do something outrageously positive. It is so absolutely relevant because what I've seen in humanity, despite what's in the headlines, I'm so struck by the heroes that have come forward i'm just absolutely in awe the idea generators and superheroes all of you you are the best listening audience in the world and we are bringing it in 2021 are you
3: trying to lose weight but feel guilty for eating your favorite foods Feeling deprived and resentful makes for results that aren't sustainable. Join Adrian Craig every second and fourth Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com for her show, Master Your Mindset for a weight loss breakthrough. Learn to love the journey and watch yourself succeed. For more information about Adrian or to work with her personally, visit LifeCanyon.com.
2: Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's Ecosystems, the most important Ecosystem, has been left out You, we created The Ecosystem Approach to recapture Human potential
0: Find us at TheEcosystemApproach.org
2: Join us every Monday at 1pm Pacific Time And 4pm Eastern Time For The Ecosystem Approach Show With Jason and Patricia On (laughs) TransformationTalkRadio.com
3: And empowered. Transformation Talk Radio.
2: Welcome to October's Meditation. Find a place you can relax and refocus for the next 10 minutes. Do not drive or operate any machinery while listening to this meditation. Let's start by acknowledging the thoughts that keep creeping in as we settle into our space. As we acknowledge those thoughts, we put them into bubbles, allowing them to float off. Anytime you have thoughts creep in, put them in those bubbles and release them off into the universe. Good. Now I want us to focus on our breath. As we slow down, become focused and aware of our breath, we settle into our space, going deeper and deeper. Take a few more deep cleansing breaths, moving that stagnant energy up and out of your physical body. Let any tension, discomfort, worry leave from your body now. You do not need to carry that energy around with you any longer. Good, now I want us to continue to release. Release the energy that you've been holding to for days, years, and even lifetimes. I want you to move your energy to the front of a labyrinth. Take note of the smells around you the sounds from all directions. What is the weather like? Looking into your labyrinth, are the walls tall like corn growing in the fields? Or are they thick bushes you can see over? Or maybe it's comprised of rocks guiding you in a beautiful pattern of circles. When you're ready, step into the labyrinth. I want you to tell me how many paths lead from the front of your labyrinth. Take note of that number. Now I want you to pick one. Decide on one path which you will follow today. Good, now when you're ready to start, head down the path of your choice. As you come around the first bend, you notice a familiar smell. You stop and take a deep breath in. It's a smell you haven't had the pleasure to connect with in quite some time. As you exhale, your shoulders start to relax. You feel connected to that memory, that happy memory. When you're ready. I want you to continue moving along the walls of your labyrinth. Feel the breeze on your face and the warmth of the sun. As you make your way around another turn, you notice you've come across a barrier. You put your head down thinking you were on the right path. And as you raise your head to see the barrier, you notice it shifting, morphing, showing you the cause of your pause on your soul's journey. I want you to remember you are empowered, strong, and full of love. Take a minute and confront that barrier. Maybe you need to send it love. Maybe you need to reach down and offer forgiveness. However you face this barrier, remember you are in control. Take a few minutes acknowledging this barrier and then move it out of your way. How does that feel to know you came face to face with that wall and was able to move it out of your way ever so gently, allowing yourself to move forward. In doing so, you have changed the path of your labyrinth with the power of intentions, the strength of your soul's purpose. Which way will you follow to find the exit of this phase of your journey? I want you to trust your intuition and head in that direction now. As you round another bend, you notice a key suspended in the air. You walk over to that key and reach for it. And once you have that key in your hand, I want you to look closely at it take in the details, no matter how big or small. How does it feel in your hand? You find this key may have some direction for you in the upcoming months. Keys are to unlock doors to the potential waiting. Will there be a door at the end of this maze? You move swiftly as you come around and see in the distance what looks like the exit. You feel lighter, more empowered with every step. As you approach the door, you see it has some type of obstruction around it. You need to be able to move that out of your way to get that beautiful key into the keyhole. Take a step back and allow the obstruction to show itself to you. Give it a name, give it a voice, and then release it. As it's being released, feel it melt into the ground, into the soft dirt that's under your feet. You become even more relaxed, knowing what's on the other side of that door is part of your life's path. You trust in yourself and the divine guidance you've been seeking. Take that key and place it into the keyhole. Great, now take a breath. And as you exhale, open the door when you are ready. Wonderful, you are opening the door to the new opportunities and possibilities waiting for you. When you're ready, step into the space and look around. Is there anyone there? Are there any familiar sights, sounds, smells? Do you see any tools that are at the ready for you to use on this next stop on your soul's journey? Take a moment and walk through the space, gathering what calls to you. And then make your way back to the door as we come back to our physical body, ready to make the next step towards self-enlightenment. all right now let's all come back through that door coming back to our physical bodies connecting our mind body and spirit to find our breath again good and on the next inhale i want you to start to wiggle your fingers and toes And on the exhale, roll out your shoulders and stretch your arms and legs out. Become aware of the smells and sounds in the room you're in. Remember, when you are ready to access the information you gathered today, all you need to do is connect with your higher self and your spirit team and the movement forward will begin.
0: Has your kindness
3: been used against you? Are you ready to clear the confusion and reconnect with your power? Then it's time to become toxic person proof. Join toxic relationship specialist Sarah K. Ramsey as she gives you the secrets to rebuilding and rebranding your life after a toxic person encounter. It's time to get past the past, get real about the present, and get serious about your future. For more information, visit SarahKRamsey.com. You've been listening, but are you watching? Tune in to your favorite shows on the Transformation Talk Radio Facebook page. We stream live video podcasts every day, and we love to hear from you. Leave comments and questions for the host to address live, on the air, and get to know the faces behind the voices you love. Just go to Facebook and search for Transformation
1: Talk Radio. Yeah, you be skippy to that, baby
2: your inspiration all day on transformationtalkradio.com.
3: Are you ready to let go of the I-can'ts that are holding you down? Valerie Trujillo invites you to join her community on a mission to collectively heal as a tribe, where your vulnerability is heard and reciprocated. So tune in to Love and Light with the Crystal Blue Oracle, every second and fourth Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com For more information about Valerie and her work, visit CrystalBlueOracle.com
4: Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Inspire create, empower, only on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome to A Cup of Comfort with me, Trish Laub. This show is about care hero topics that nobody wants to talk about. Perhaps you tended to a younger sibling's cut finger or babysat a neighbor's child. Maybe you were thrown into the fire and became a care hero during a medical crisis. You may care for a parent, spouse, sibling, a child, or a friend, but the challenges are the same. Getting the tools you need to navigate the maze of unfamiliar options can be overwhelming. I know I have been there. I didn't even know what I didn't know. I am here to help you with all of it. No care hero topic is off limits. I'm here to share with you concise, actionable information, as well as my fresh perspective about Alzheimer's and providing dignified care through the end of life for anyone with a life altering diagnosis. So grab a cup of your favorite beverage, sit back and let me help you on your care hero journey. We will talk and share. We may laugh and we may share a tear or two, and we will always share a cup of comfort. everybody. I'm Trish Laub and welcome to A Cup of Comfort with me. This is all about you, the care heroes. If you've tuned in before, you know that you are a care hero, someone who has chosen to step into their responsibility and the great caregiving unknown. Each and every one of you providing care for another is a care hero. And this show is all about you, the care and care hero topics that nobody wants to talk about. Now, over the holidays, I had an amazing experience. I signed up for a virtual group session about which I knew very little. I left that experience feeling different, more specifically empowered. I want to save the details for my guests to talk about, but it loosely involved the concept of art therapy, but it was much more. So it got me to thinking, what is art therapy really? Do you know? Because when I really thought about it while prepping for the show, I realized I kind of knew, but I really didn't. You see, if you'd asked me about music therapy or dance therapy, I could probably tell you exactly what it is and how it works. I've danced to music my whole life. I teach a fitness uh, movement class based on it. And I use music to connect with my dad, who is living with Alzheimer's, but art therapy. So <laughs> I kind of laugh because anybody who knows me knows that I am not an artist. I can barely draw a circle. So thank goodness I have other skills. So I want to spend some time talking. Oh, so I'm sorry, when I was prepping, I I spent some time talking with my guest and what she shared is that art like movement is one of the first forms of expression even before language. And I think that every parent knows that the value of art is about the way their child sees the world around them and sometimes the representation of how they feel about it rather than its artistic sophistication. In short, some children may become artists and others like me, not so much, but there is still great value in the simplistic artwork that they create. Art is a transformational process for the creator and for the viewer. It is a non-threatening, non-verbal form of communication that can convey the artist's energy with each shape and color better than words alone. You see, art, like the connotation of words, can evoke emotion and helps our emotional and spiritual body to speak when words are inadequate. Symbols bind us to the universal language of humanity's joys and struggles. Just think emojis. When I did the group session, I learned that creating art is not just for the artist. It is for anybody who wants to express themselves, reduce stress, and connect to their own spirit. And I learned that no artistic experience or talent is needed to benefit from the experiences. I have absolutely none. While I was having the experience, I kept thinking that it would be so helpful not only to all the care heroes out there listening, but also to those for whom they provide care, no matter how much or how little each participant can actively participate in the experience because merely being present during the experience can affect change. It is something that could be done together to create a shared experience and benefit both in similar yet different ways. My guest today merges art, myth, symbolism or symbology, spirituality and mindful practice to empower others on their journey. Now, before I introduce my guest, I want to remind everybody that some of the information from today's show will be available in a downloadable PDF on the Care Hero radio page of my website, Trish Laub, that's T-R-I-S-H, Laub, L-A-U-B as in boy.com after the show. So Reverend Lindsay Butine is the president and founder of the nonprofit Bridges to Empowerment. She is the author of the upcoming book, Blooming Out of the Rough, that details some of her health challenges and how she used art and the study of symbols to empower her healing process. Blooming Out of the Rough offers a blueprint to restore one's equilibrium when facing illness or other life transitions or challenges. Reverend Lindsay practices integrative ministry by helping people to formulate a plan to support their best physical, emotional, and spiritual health for their personal circumstances. Welcome Reverend, Reverend Lindsay. I'm happy to have you here today. So, Thank you what,
5: so much for having me on your show.
4: Well, it's a pleasure. Um, as I told the audience already, I attended one of your group sessions with very little information. And then when we spoke spoke after that, you shared with me how you were inspired by art. Can you share some of what you shared with me with the audience?
5: Yes. So my relationship with art began when I was hospitalized for long periods of time. Before I became ill, I avoided art. I have a neuromuscular disease that made it difficult to use my hands. So art actually was a stressful thing for me to do. But then after having to be hospitalized, I started to see art as an act of rebellion because although I felt powerless over my body and where I was, I could determine what I looked at. I started drawing pictures of flowers that my nurses would hang on the walls of my hospital room. These pictures became a way that I felt more empowered and could be seen by medical staff on a level that was deeper than my physical state. It gave me an identity and a way of connecting that wasn't based solely on what was wrong with me. Of course, being young at the time, I was often frustrated that I couldn't meet my educational goals that my peers were and I felt like they were often just passing me by. So then something happened that shifted my entire life. A hospital chaplain, a man who later would become one of my great mentors in this work, he listened patiently to all my frustrations. And then he told me that he would hear hospital staff remarking that they lingered in my room because they felt recharged in it. And he looked at my paintings and he said, flowers don't do anything, they just are you are like power. Well, this changed my entire self perspective. I saw that I could just be, and this was enough. If I allowed myself to truly bloom out of the rough in my own life, I could just be. So this introduced me to the whole idea that, that what the art I was creating had actually a wisdom that I needed. And so after this point, I started drawing all kinds of nature symbols and listening to the messages I needed from them. So this was how I, I came into the, the world of using art, symbology, and listening for their messages.
4: I wanna take just a second since you've introduced that and say that this experience, which I did not describe, was that I went onto a group session with Reverend Lindsay and she literally said, okay, now draw a line at this diagonal And then while I did that and thought about that a little bit, she went into the uh, symbology by culture and religion about the animal that we were talking about in the, in the situation, in the, the um, session that I did, it was the courage of the lion. So I just want to provide a little more context when we go on and talk a little bit further. Is there a particular um, animal, bird, insect that inspired you the most? Um, I felt like,
5: the dragonfly has been one of the most sacred animals
4: for me. And can you tell us a little bit about why and about the symbology of it?
5: Yeah. So um, let me begin with the with the really the moment that inspired the dragonfly and its message, which I see the dragonfly as as being about impermanence. And so the, how it all evolved was I was in a hospitalization and I was fighting pneumonia. And this is a common cause of death with my disease. And at the time I had a roommate that had just had a stroke. So while I was struggling to breathe, she was struggling to form words. And we were kind of joined in this communion of, of silence because for different reasons, words were just too hard. Now... Although supposedly there's a curtain between us, of course you can hear everything that goes on in the room. So I knew that she was having a bunch of cognitive testing. She knew that I was having medical imagery to just see where where we were. Now, at the end of the day, my roommate's doctor came in and sat with her and her husband to break the news that her cognitive function tests were not good and that they didn't think that she would improve. Uh, Her husband at the time cried that and said that although she had survived, he still felt like he lost her. The doctor, I remember gently explaining that she was never going to be the wife that she once was. She had reached a static point. And I remember feeling very sad that nobody asked her if she too was frustrated. And I also wondered why they were talking about her like she wasn't in the room. So then after they left, my doctor comes in, same sober tone, and he tells me no improvement in my condition. My lungs are failing, the infection's taking over them. So we're both left in this heaviness of our very bad news. And we both know that we heard each other's news. So in this space, she started to tell me about how frustrated she was that her brain didn't work the same way. And I have to say, as I listened to her, this just awakened all my worries. What if my lungs didn't recover, what would happen? And I knew the answer, I would die. So I had to just kind of go back to the silence. And I started thinking about the dragonfly and how I wanted to draw it. And I realized this goal might be just like so many others in my life that were uncertain. Maybe I wouldn't achieve it. And I, I, also knew that this could be some of my last moments inside of my body and so although i didn't know what this crisis would mean ultimately to my life i felt that my only real power was to just enjoy being in the body i had now so thinking about the dragonfly this dragonfly lives confined to water before it morphs into an insect that flies and and thinking about the lifespan of the dragonfly, I saw that, you know, nothing stays static. Everything really is temporary. And I just couldn't let tests capture my fate. They were just one other moment in time. So at this point, I turned to my roommate and I said to her, you know, everything is temporary, even this. One way or another, our current state's gonna end. Maybe we get better, maybe we won't. It's not going to be like this forever. And then she just sat silent for a moment and then burst into this really like big laughter. And she's like, I really like that. That is so true. Someday I won't have a brain at all. And at that moment, I knew that the test had completely underestimated her. And that is how the, the dragonfly message came to be.
4: Wow. So let me ask you: Did you were you aware of the symbolism of the um, dragonfly prior to that experience, or is that just a realization that you'd had? So
5: all I really knew about was about the the dragonfly's lifespan because I just had been attracted to hmm. to drawing the dragonfly. It wasn't until I was in uh, divinity school that I wanted to do my masters on this project of, of doing these messages and that they said, well, to have us be your masters, why don't you start studying the symbolism throughout all the different cultures and religions? So that's how I added that segment in at the very end. So actually it was the drawings, the, the kind of message that I got from the drawing, which mm-hmm. to me was just about like the impermanence of everything. And then I added in the cultural uh, symbology, Last. But what I found so interesting about it is how much the symbology throughout time correlated with what I felt from the from mm-hmm. drawing the the symbols.
4: Yeah. Can you maybe share some of the symbology of the dragonfly? Yeah, so the
5: the dragonfly is is interesting. It's a, it's been throughout time a symbol of change. In the east, the dragonfly is a associated with the more passive side of change. For instance, in China, the dragonfly is associated with summer and this is the changing, of course, the life cycle. So again, a passive change. These are transitions that, you know, we really can't do anything to stop them from occurring. It's Mm -hmm. just the cycle of life. And um, Japan was actually once known as the dragonfly island. So the dragonfly is very important in their symbology. It represents power and courage. And these are both traits that I think you really need to deal with these changes in life that you have no control over. Now, in the West, it's the, it represents the more active form of change. This is the type of change that comes from our own actions that we take. And so American Indians saw it as the force behind activity. The Hopi Indians believed that it had shamanistic power and it was really using the dragonfly to channel spiritual energy to affect the world around them. So I think it's very interesting that we have that yin and yang between the east and the west in this in the symbology of the, the dragonfly. And that transitions are composed of elements we control and elements we must learn to accept. This is the active and passive forms of change, which ultimately lead us to learning about impermanence.
4: And I think that's very powerful. So I want to go back to the session I did. It was with the lion. You know, I grew up thinking, oh, the lion is courage, you know, the strong lion and everything. But there was something so very different about it and more powerful when I drew, which I'm not an artist, while uh, Reverend Lindsay was speaking. And she talked about the symbology through culture and religion of the lion. And somehow this was going in auditorially. It was coming in visually because it was a Zoom session. I was doing it tactily. She's doing myth. She's doing symbology. She's doing spirituality, mindfulness. And it was a really, really powerful experience. So my question for you is, is this open to the public? Are your group sessions open to the public?
5: It absolutely is. I do some individual and then I do it for the community that is is open to everyone because there's just a lot of transitions going on right now. And I think everyone could use a little bit more support.
4: And I know if they go to your website, which is bridges to um, that they can get information on it. And you and I talked recently about the possibility that you may be recording some of them to fit into some other, you know, people's caregivers, care heroes schedules and things like that. So that may be something that is on the table. <laughs> Yes. You know, care heroes don't always get to pick what time they're available to do things that are good for them. And I hopefully hopefully the whole audience can understand that you know this is not something that's just valuable to you, but to have the person that you're providing care for, even if they cannot draw a straight line like me or a circle or whatever, just to maybe you guide their hand or maybe you help them, you know, maybe they're just drawing their own thing, and that's cool because it's all coming in multisensory. And I think that's really, really important. Um, could you, oh, the book, when is your book gonna be available? No pressure it should, here. I know, right? <laughs> no pressure, but is it in the works? And where are you with that?
5: Yeah, it should be, um, it's in the end stages. So it's in the editing process. I have uh, made a new year's resolution that I'm going to stop adding more animal symbologies because I keep doing that and it slows it down.
4: (laughs) I completely understand that. So maybe this year. Yes. Okay, great. So that's something else that people can go to your website and sign up on your, your uh, contact list for notification when that's going to be available as one of your group sessions. So we have a a couple minutes here before we got to kind of wrap things up here, but yeah, can you give me kind of a um, like one word name of an animal and what maybe their symbol means? Because I know you've done a lot of them. I've been on your website a lot.
5: <laughs> uh, so another one that I love is the the bear, which is about oh. going within to nurture your yourself.
4: Ooh, nice. Hibernating, maybe? Kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely.
5: Um, There you go. You're getting the symbolism. And that's so interesting too, because we do just instinctively know this, this symbology of what, what animals invoke within us.
4: Well, you know, some of them, I guess I could maybe guess, but others not. So I have a couple here that just, if you don't mind me sharing them, was the giraffe was gaining perspective. Um, And maybe you do, I don't know, maybe you do sessions with other symbols with it. I don't really know. But you had the hummingbird was challenging times. Um, The elephant mindfulness practice. I love elephants. They're so meaningful. Um, So I do want to say again, can, I mean, you can, let's have it come from you this time how they can reach you.
5: So if you just go to uh, bridges um, to empowerments.org.
4: And Empowerments has an S on it, just for clarification there. Um, I'll add in that um, Reverend Lindsay is on Facebook and Twitter. And if you go to the PDF on my website and download it, you those um, handles are there. And, you know, direction for how to get to her. Is there anything else in the next minute or two that you would like the audience to know that maybe you haven't already had the opportunity to share? Uh,
5: let's see. You know, what I would like to do really make a note is that you don't have to be spiritual or religious to do these practices the latin root of spirit is breath breath gives us life and a life that is connected to others through our shared air in this way spiritual practices are simply a way of grounding ourselves in what connects us so no matter what your beliefs feel free to join
4: i love that um so just to, again, to say that you go to Bridges to Empowerments you have a blog you offer, I believe, in addition to the sessions that we're talking about here with the symbology and everything, I think you offer some other types of sessions, um, counseling services. One thing I, ha- I know I didn't mention that hasn't come up yet is that pre-pandemic, um, Reverend Lindsay was going into hospitals and doing this work with patients there, which I think is Really super cool, and for those of you watching, hopefully you we're able to see some of the, the images about that, that show that. So I just think it's very, very powerful and important work, and I appreciate you coming to share it today. Um, again, I know I can't say it enough, BridgesToEmpowerments.org, where you can reach out to her, you can go to her contact page to get updates on what's going on, and the downloadable PDF on my uh, Care Hero radio page of my website, trishlaub.com. And uh, I just want to thank you again for all of your information. It's powerful work. I hope people out there listening will will look into it and um, have an opportunity to be empowered, whether they're the care hero or the person for whom they're providing care. So thank you, Reverend Lindsay.
5: Thank you. You're
4: welcome. We'll talk soon. Okay. So while you're on my website, I would encourage you to share your care hero story. Um, and possibly Reverend Lindsay can even go there and share it there as well. So, and I can post that. Your stories merit, matter and I want to share them. Um, so reach out to me. I love questions, comments, um, the topics that you want to hear about. I've got several, many topics, interesting topics lined up. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. This show is about you. So I need your input on that. Fill out the contact form on the Care Hero radio page of my website or email me at info at I would love to hear from you. Um, be sure to let me know where you're from and, and maybe what episode you listened to. I wanna thank you all for tuning in today and sharing this time with me. Please join me the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month at 12 Pacific and three Eastern. Next time on January 26th, I'll meet you here and we're gonna talk about when hearing becomes a challenge with my guest, Kathy Russy. So have you faced that challenge yet? Have you had older parents that have gone through the hearing loss? If not, I'm pretty sure you're likely to experience that at some point in your life. And honestly, it was one of the number one things I was asked for when I um, announced that I was going to do this, a cup of comfort. And people have expressed their frustrations with knowing how to encourage their loved ones to pursue hearing loss and hearing aids and all of the issues that people have had with hearing aids. So I encourage you to tune in. Um, Kathy has been working in the hearing field for a very long time and she has a wealth of information. And yes, we will have a PDF download for that as well. Before I go, I want to do a a public service announcement. I think I did it last time. I want to remind you again that to be sure to take care of yourselves and to go to your annual screenings. I know that we're sitting in the middle of a pandemic. I do. But while you put so much time into taking care of someone else, it's critical to your ability to continue to provide the best possible care for them by taking care of yourself. So please don't put those appointments off due to the pandemic. I know I did for a little while and then I scheduled them all. And I will share with you because she gave me permission. My sister uh, did her um, mammogram and they found extremely, extremely small cancer in both breasts. And she was able to treat that fully and successfully in three months only because she went to her annual screening. So please, 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 please. I promised my sister I would share that. So please. And before I go... I want to hear each and every one of you give me a resounding, I am a care hero. I know that is something that some of you are not comfortable with, but you are care heroes. So yes, please say it and mean it because it is in fact true. And again, before we go, I just want to share the hearing health is coming up. Um, The show after that is on palliative care services and hospice care, as well as dignity with death. Uh, the one following that, I have a different kind of care hero. I'm not going to tell you who she is or what she does yet. We'll be covering wound care, um, some alternative ish therapies um, that have been, I have actual experience with, and it's really beneficial. And then I've got a whole bunch more coming after that. So um, tune in, keep coming back, and remember that you are a care hero, and I'll see you on the 26th. Thank you for listening to A Cup of Comfort with me, Trish Laub, and for your Care Hero courage. Tune in next time on Transformation Talk Radio as we explore life-changing care hero topics to assist you on your journey. In the meantime, I would love to hear any tips or insights that you've taken away with you today. So head on over to TrishLaub.com. That's TrishLaub, L-A-U-B as in boy, dot com, and leave a comment, a question you would like answered, or a topic you'd like to hear about in the future. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter. So raise a cup and let's toast to all the amazing care heroes out there giving it their all. Until next time, remember that you are true heroes.